There's no hack. There's no fast way. If you want six pack abs, you got to put in the work. It's hard. It is very difficult. If you want an 850 credit score, you got to put in the work. It doesn't just happen. Everything is possible. Hey. Just hustle. Hey. Just hustle. Hey. Everything is possible. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real. I stayed in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. Billionaire. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Just hustle. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think like a millionaire, hustle like you're broke. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK, a.k.a. Billionaire in this mug. Super excited today, guys. Uh, I just got off this uh, interview, this podcast episode, and oh my God, um, those of you who, and I feel like in the field that uh, that we're in, and those of you who are listening, uh, you're. It's definitely something. Honestly, it should have been like the first episode ever uh, for any podcast out there, uh, just because it is extremely important. Uh, it's it, it's honestly, and and it's about your credit score. And we talked about that, your credit history. We talked about that, uh, how you you know one of the things. And shout out to Randy, man. Uh, it, it was such an amazing uh, episode. He he dropped gems, like literally. Uh, I know I say this a lot, but one of my favorite episodes, like it is just, uh, and shout out to everybody that has been part of this journey. Cause literally every episode is my favorite. Um, but this one here, like just getting off and just listening to just getting off of it and thinking about all the information he shared. I mean, it's, it's so powerful accountability at its finest. Uh, you know, we had this conversation where honestly, if your credit score is bad, I don't trust you. Like, uh, it, <laughs> and and that's uh it, you know we I, I went as far as saying like you know if you're dating somebody and you should probably wonder what the credit score is and don't take that literal what i mean is hold yourself accountable your credit score that's your fault wherever you're at with it that's your fault same with uh anything else in your life financially mentally spiritually like wherever you're at that's your fault so hold yourself accountable what i mean by that guys to go more in depth is um Keep a credit score of your life. Where are you at in life? Where are you at? What's your credit score with your family as a husband, as a wife? What's your score on that? What's your score as a son, daughter, as a grandfather? What's your score physically, mentally? I think there's a bigger agenda here. And just imagine if uh, every area of our life had a score. And that's what I mean by credit score. And I truly believe that if you are... Now, not everybody's perfect for sure. But if you're failing with your credit score, I guarantee you that there's other areas that are also failing and it's just again uncomfortable conversations uh you could either like it or not it doesn't matter because it's the truth it is uncomfortable to think about but what is your score where are you at where are you at in those areas you know one one of my goals this year uh as simple as it is is just to text and call my mom once a week minimum which uh, a lot of times 
It's more than that. But why? Because I feel the need to up my score in that area. And, and it is okay. Uh, now, I will go as far as saying, guys, that that's why I preach so much about getting your financial state right. Because financially, once you're, you're good in that area, you can focus. You have the freedom to focus on other areas. And that's the important thing about money. So that's what I mean. Uh, again, don't take it personal or take it personal. If the shoe fits, wear it. That That's uh, literally how it goes with all these uncomfortable conversations that we have. And matter of fact, I would be thankful to have somebody like me in this podcast, in this microphone giving you this game because uh, stuff that you might not even think about now or ever in your life. So what is your score? What is your score on each of those areas? And if you feel like your score is low, then do something about it. One of the things he mentioned was the FICO basically saying, hey, I don't care if you were one day late. You're one day late and that's it. Here goes your bad review, right? Or your bad uh, score. Imagine if we did that in life, guys. What if we went as far as that? Like, what if everything, once you mess up on one part of the of life, it's like you're cut off. And, you know, I, I think it's very important to think that. I've always believed that, that uh, your credit score is important. Uh, there were so many stuff that we uh, I wanted to cover, but got to respect the man's uh, time, man. He's literally a uh, bestseller. He, you know, and, and again, he's a rock star, guys. Like, uh, we talked about it is, you know, just giving this man's flower. Uh, Ed Milet follows him, Brad Lee, I mean, Andy Frizzell, like there's so many names. Like I honestly, it's a, it's a blessing. And, and Rondi, thank you for being part of this. Uh, this, it was amazing. Great conversation. Those are the conversations I love. It's the uncomfortable conversations, right? Um, and it's funny, I've been having this, um, talk that, uh, I love the million dollar hustle because again, these are habits that, uh, you're hearing to think so that way you can become a millionaire. It's time for you to break that curse, right? That generational curse curse. And, uh, it is something that I'm going to release later as a book. And so I love that. And, and I also love uncomfortable conversations. Can you guys share with me, uh, what is your thought on that? Because at the end, uncomfortable conversations is all we're having. And so, uh, I, I've, sometimes I thought about, it, I'm like, should I just start a different podcast? But at the end, million dollar hustle is like the power of being uncomfortable guys is in the million dollar hustle. Like it's part, it's one of the habits. So, um, anyways, let me know what you guys think. Just thinking out loud, right? Just talking to you guys. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the whole episode can't wait for you guys to listen overall guys. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been great. Uh, we just finished uh, a flip. We got another one finishing up, uh, and it's just been, uh, amazing. So shout out to the whole team, everybody that's helping out. Uh, we just did. And, and when you're watching this episode, I know it's going to be a little bit later, uh, because of the recording. Uh, but we just, and we're recording this in January still, but, uh, it'll be released later in the year, but, we just did the goal setting, uh, mastermind shout out to everybody that showed up. We, we wanted 10 people and we had 20, we, or whatever, like it, it almost doubled basically. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of just stopped counting after we hit our goal and the rest was just, uh, so literally we pretty much doubled, uh, our original goal. So shout out to everybody that, that attended that, um, uh, 
I've got nothing but great feedback and we're also going to follow up. We're going to follow up. Uh, so if you didn't attend it, if you would like to be part of the next mastermind uh, that we're going to meet, we're, we're looking at meeting every quarter of the year just to see where everybody is with their goals. Um, so if you want to be part of that info at billythekid.com. Also just the, the uh, get uncomfortable mastermind, you know, accountability guys is huge and it shows all the results. People that are, have joined the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, the results are there. And I don't have to say it. They literally, it just shows. And so if you if you want to be part of that, if you want a group to hold you accountable and keep you accountable for the stuff that you want to do, it's time to change your life. So hit us up uh, to join the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, info at billythekid.com. Also, if you're interested in one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, I am doing those for now, uh, and I don't know how long I'm going to be doing those. So if you want to take advantage of that uh, before I kind of uh, stop it, because it's not something that uh, I want to do forever either. And, and you never know. I'm just, That's how I feel today, but in the future it might be. But if you want to do the one-on-one -on -one coaching, please email info at billythekid.com. We could put you on the waiting list so that way once once we have a spot opening, we can get a hold of you. So info at billythekid.com. Otherwise, check out my music, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, all that, YouTube. And um, let's see, I'm just trying to think what else. Uh, next week, again, I know you're kind of listening to this a little bit later, but next week I'm going to be heading to uh, create uh, the seminar with Ken Jocelyn, Ed Milet's going to be there, uh, Carlos Reyes, like all these great names, all these great people. Um, I'm just coming out to support my man, Ken Jocelyn. If you haven't checked out that episode, go listen to it now. Uh, that was some fire uh, podcast there, so check that out. But uh, yeah, so I'm doing that next week. Um, and then so far, so good. Um, I, I'm also going to be releasing this year a few more uh, solo episodes as well. Uh, just to kind of give you some game as well, just in general. But I think that is all I got. Uh, if you're listening uh, locally, please let me know. I am looking for the next deal. I'm looking for multifamily. So uh, hit us up uh, with any information. Um, also, just in general, anybody out there listening, if if you bring me a deal and we make it a deal and we get to the closing table, we're offering $1,000 cash to you. So just for finding a deal. So any deals that you see, you hear, any houses, hit us up and uh, you get paid. Um, and otherwise, uh, everything else is great. So I think I am ready to just jump in, man. Uh, again, this this episode was amazing. So shout out to Rondi Lambeth. And with that being said, guys, uh, again, this dude is a rock star. Go follow him. Uh, again, Ed Milet, all these other great names. Uh, so you do the same. Go follow this man. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this great episode about credit, which is probably the most important financial thing out there in this country is credit. So with that being said, here is Rondi Lambert, baby. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle podcast, baby. It is your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK. I am super excited today. Uh it's an episode that uh, I think everybody should listen to. The, the the man, the myth, the legend is here to put you on game today on how important it is to have a good credit. I mean, and, and it's life-changing. We're, we're just going to dive in. Rondi, how you doing, man? I am doing absolutely incredible. How about you? Good, good. Kind of kind of chilly actually today. We I'm here in Nebraska, so we got some some storm moving in and 
it's just funny too. It just every time people are posting on Facebook, oh, it's you know this and that. It's like, come on, that we this is where we live. So, yep. <laughs> How, how's the weather out there? It was good. I did my workout this morning. I'm on day uh, ten of seventy five hard, and it was wow, nineteen degrees out this morning. It was cold. It, it was it was chilly. Huh, nice, nice. 75 hard, huh? And if we could jump in right away, uh, the first question that I, I would like to ask you, Randy, is uh, what is one book that has changed your life to this day or just even something recent that you read? There's lots of books. So I will tell you one book that I read every year, and that is The Richest Man in Babylon. I think it's by far the best financial book ever written. As far as credit scores, um, I have a book called uh, Up Your FICO. You can find that on Amazon. So just, just go to Amazon, type in Rondi Lambeth, you're going to find my book. And as far as like a life-changing book, I mean, there's so many of them, but my good friend, Ed Milet, released a book um, about six months ago. It's the fastest selling book of all time. Amazon ran out in the first week. Target ran out. Walmart ran out. And I thought it was because Ed had screwed up and just didn't order enough, but it was actually his publisher had only ordered like a hundred thousand books. And within a couple of days, it sold over a hundred thousand copies. So, mm. and his publishers wily, it's not like it's a, like a no name publisher. So I think uh, those books in that order would be richest man of Babylon, the power one more by Ed Milet. And then my book, of course, up your FICO are three books. How's that? I love that. And and yeah, I though Ed Milet's book, uh it, it's funny. I, I heard him speaking literally probably a couple of weeks before uh, I came out. And yeah, it, great book. Uh and so The Richest Man in uh Babylon, that that book right there, it, can you just kind of summarize a little bit of uh and I I I think I know why that's one of your favorites in the stuff that you do, but if can you summarize a little bit of why, like what what has that book done? And I I was looking on your Instagram. You actually had like a live where you like taught the book. Am I, am I right? Yeah. And, and on my Instagram page, I have my book list on there. So um, Richest Man Babylon is a book written and it was, it was actually pamphlets. There was a guy that wanted to help Americans with their finance finances. So he started the short story and it started out as just like pamphlets and banks would hand that out to people after they open a bank account. So you go into Wells Fargo, which was a, at the time when this book was written, Wells Fargo was still stagecoaches. But you would go into the bank, you'd open a bank account, they would hand you this pamphlet. The next time you come in and deposit, they'd hand you another pamphlet. And it turned into this series. And it was written in the Babylon time, Babylonian times. And it was about two friends that had escaped slavery and that were basically broke and they couldn't figure out why they were broke and they're sitting there complaining about it. They met a guy, we'll call him like an Elon Musk type guy and took him under his wing and taught them about finances and how to become debt-free, how to become rich, and then how to take your riches and become wealthy. And it's set up in a way that anyone can read it, whether you're six or seven years old or 60 or 70 years old. They're very simple principles that if you apply them in your life, you will become debt-free, 
you'll become rich and then you'll become wealthy. So that's why I like that book so much is it's very, very simple, no big words, no contemplative easing and all this other stuff and fractional reserve and all this stuff that people want to make themselves seem smarter. It's a very simple book on mm. getting your personal finances correct. I love that. That that's uh literally the one of the best uh summaries I've heard so far with that book and you mentioned something uh, obviously a lot of things in there but you mentioned one thing that stuck out you said rich and then wealthy and I feel like there's this uh misconception that happens out there where obviously wherever you at there's a start. You got to start, right? Like whether you were born poor or whatever it is but I truly believe the first step is to get rich and then your ultimate goal should be wealthy. And obviously today we're going to, I want to touch on the gap between where you start and getting rich. And I feel like that's where your field is, where it's like, you need to take care of all this, all this credit stuff at the beginning. And matter of fact, the wealthy use the credit to their advantage to get even wealthier. Um, So what's your take on that? The rich wealth. Uh, Cause I, I, there, there's this uh, misconception there. A lot of people think it's just one thing and it's not. <laughs> it is definitely not this, the same thing. Um, look, I grew up really poor. I grew up not very far from where my home is today, about an hour west of here. I grew up with no running water, no electricity. We got our food out of a dumpster and it was a shack. The entire house was smaller than my studio right here. The house, in quotes, it was really, it was someone's storage shed that 11 of us lived in. Uh, no running water, no electricity. In the wintertime, and back in the 70s and 80s, when I grew up in Idaho, it was cold. Like, really, really cold. Now, with the the world changing, the climate changing, it's not really that bad. I'm, you know, this morning it was 19 degrees out, but this afternoon it'll be 50, 60, 56, 57 degrees. So when I grew up, it was really, really cold. And in the wintertime, we didn't have any money. I mean, when I said we were poor, I mean, we were poor. Hence the reason no electricity, no running water. We also had, didn't have firewood. So we burned tires. Like tires. Wow. And if you've ever seen the Gulf War, the original Gulf War, where they set Saddam Hussein's soldiers set the oil fields on fire, it's this black, nasty soot. So here I am as a kid with one pair of shoes, one pair of socks, one pair of pants, one shirt. In the wintertime, I was black from the soot because we'd burn it and then it gets everywhere in the yard, which we didn't have a yard. It was just dirt and sagebrush. And so I was a dirty kid. And I grew up being taught that money was the root of all evil and that rich mm. people were horrible people and that education was stupid and a waste of time. Um, I also got, I grew up being, having the crap beat out of me on a daily basis. So when I turned 15, I left. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I figured, look, I'm 15. I had my driver's license because in Idaho, you can get your license at 14. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm tired of eating garbage, literally garbage out of the dumpster. And I'm tired of getting the crap beat out of me all the time. I can go do this better on my own. At least I won't get beat up anymore. So I left. And then I learned, I thought, like a lot of people, you get a job and you become rich. And now it's funny because I've gone back to this, this area because my mom lives there still and my grandma lives there. It's poor. And I remember thinking, 
when I was the dirty poor kid driving around in the neighborhoods picking up kids on the bus, uh, I used to think they were rich. Mm. And now I go out there and I look at their houses and they're poor, poor people, you know, compared realistically. So what's the difference between poor, rich, and wealthy? Well, anyone who lives in the United States is rich if you compare it to the rest of the world. But inside the United States, we have rich people and we have wealthy people. I would consider myself rich. I don't consider myself wealthy yet. Uh, a lot of people know who Grant Cardone is. I consider Grant Cardone rich, not wealthy. Mm. Even though he says he's a billionaire. Even though lots of people says he's, he has billions of dollars of debt. He does not have billions of dollars in net worth. Elon Musk is wealthy. Uh, Ed Milet is wealthy. My friend Andy Frisella is wealthy. Brad Lee, my friend. Brad's not rich yet. I mean, Brad's not wealthy yet, but he's rich and he's on his way to becoming wealthy. So wealthy in my mind is you can't spend all your money before you die. You can try, you can give it away, but you can't spend it on. Spend it all. Where rich is your average everyday millionaire or upper middle class. And I think um, in order to like have a really good life, I was talking to Brad last night and you need to make about $300,000 a year to really have a good, comfortable life in America. And rich is above 300,000, but less than 10 million. Anything over 10 million of net worth, I think is wealthy. Because if you're worth a million dollars, which many, many Americans are worth a million dollars, technically they're millionaires because they have a million dollars in equity in their home. I'm telling you, having a million dollars in equity in your house, it's still hard to make bills. You're still paycheck to paycheck and most people are still paycheck to paycheck. So that's my definition of rich versus wealth. Rich, you can spend it. Wealthy, you can't spend it all. Mm, wow. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, that's so true. And I think uh, I would add on to that, too, is uh, even wealthy. I feel like wealthy means when you have your assets paying for your lifestyle and where you don't have to, you know, even today, there's days like today that it hits me personally. And those of you who are listening, the, all, all we're trying to do is motivate you guys. Right. And even today with the, the kids ended up staying home from school and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it easy. We just went to brunch. And then, of course, the podcast. And I even posted that on, on my social medias where I, I just said brunch with the family and then a podcast later. And it it's truly like a dream come true because your assets are paying for this lifestyle. And, and I think to me, that's the definition of wealth. And, and you know, I, I even go back to the concept of like, you could live in a small apartment. If your assets are paying for that, who cares? Like you're, you're free. Right. So I love that. Um, and Randy, my, my question, uh, to, to start getting into what all you do, I mean, because you're, you're, I was just your resume alone. I mean, you're, you're killing the game. I mean, I see on the back America's credit credit expert, uh, from the beginning. Uh, so you mentioned you grew up poor, what uh what was that transition like so you finished high school and then did you go to college or or where where was that uh after that you know surprisingly as a kid uh when you're and, and this is not a pity party thing so i'm not saying that you know i'm the victim and all this stuff i've worked on all of this stuff i've dealt with it all 
But when you're a kid and you're struggling to eat and you're getting beaten, you don't really think about like, what are you going to do in the future? Um, it's like, how am I going to get my next meal and how am I not going to get killed? Mm. Uh, and so I never had any aspirations to ever anything to ever have like a car or a house or a job until I was 16 to 17 years old. So when I left home at 15, I couch surfed a lot in and out of foster care, eventually got uh, in the state of Oregon, you can actually apply. Once you turn 16, you can apply for, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it basically your, your own uh, guardian, as long as you have a job and the ability to pay for your stuff. So I had my own apartment in section eight housing. You know, I think my rent was like 80 bucks a month. Um, and Those I had a the job. Days. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. $2.35 an hour was my job. And then I, uh, I had a cousin who introduced me to a guy named Wally Williams and got me a new job. And the new job was watch washing this rich man's cars. And I think he's probably wealthy. If I use my definition, he owned multiple funeral homes and he had the funeral home in Grant County. Grant County's where I ended up. Uh, John Day, Oregon had 2000 people that lived there. 5,000 in the, in the County, one intersection, one stoplight rather in the whole County, mainly ranchers is really what it was. Loggers and ranchers. And so I went to work for him, washing cars. That was my side hustle after my bagging groceries at Chester's Thriftway in John Day. So I'd go to school. I only went to school three to four classes a day. And then I worked at the grocery store. And then after the grocery store, I'd go over and wash this rich man's cars. Well, shortly into washing his cars, he came to me and he offered me a new job. And that was to be a funeral director. And so at 16 years old, I became a licensed funeral director and embalmer as an apprentice. And so for the next four years, all through high school, and then two years after high school, I embalmed people. I did autopsies. I did funerals. I counseled people that lost their family members. And I did all of the things that are associated with handling dead bodies. And it was, uh, I turned 21, yeah, around 21 years old. I was still working at the funeral home, making a thousand dollars a month. So thousand bucks a month. I had my own apartment. I eventually bought my own house when I was a senior in high school. And I remember going to school and not my friends, but some, some rich kids again in quotes, because I look at them now, they weren't, you know, they're just middle class <laughs> kids. They had a, a car that wasn't built in the fifties, like my truck that I paid 500 bucks for. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they uh, had heard that I bought a house and they were making fun of me. And they're like, yeah, I heard you, you moved into the trailer court. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you own a trailer. You're now a trailer trash. I'm like, look, I own my own house. You still live with your parents. So I don't know what you're making fun of me over. Yeah, it was a $15,000 trailer. But look, that was my first piece of real estate. Now I own over 2,000 apartments or 2,000 doors. So my transition was one day I was um, at a car accident and we're, I'm watching the fire department cut this dead dude out of his truck. He had a heart attack and crashed. And so they're cutting him out. 
And it was at that moment, I'm like, I don't want to be a funeral director anymore. I want to be a fireman. So I uh, did some research. And back then, we didn't have Google. So I started calling around, <laughs> found out what cities were growing, what was happening. And at the time, Denver was building a new airport. And so they were growing, and they're looking for firemen. So I quit my job, moved to Denver, Colorado, went to the fire academy, didn't get hired because they had a, it was 5,000 applications for every one job. So I'm at the fire academy. I'm getting ready to graduate. I got two kids by now because I had three kids by the time I turned 22. I do not recommend getting someone pregnant in high school. Not a good idea, <laughs> but I did that. Not on purpose. She did it on purpose. Tricked me. Lied to me. <laughs> and because uh, she wanted a baby. So mm. I'm in the fire academy across the river from the fire academy is waste management transfer station. And I'm talking to like the one of the chiefs and the instructor. And he's like, hey, can't get hired at the fire department. Go over there and get a job at the waste management. You'll stay in shape. So that's what I did. I become a garbage man. And I, I got hired with Sheridan Fire fire department as a volunteer so i was garbage man by day firefighter by night eventually after five years of being a garbage man i got hired with littleton fire and that's when i started learning about building wealth and real estate and that was the first time in my life that i actually had a career and people to coach me and that's when i started my entrepreneur journey is after I become a firefighter and I did go to college, you know, I, I got a, I don't have a degree, but I have certificates in emergency management. I was a paramedic and I had firefighter one firefighter two, but I never finished to get the degree because I looked at it and um, I started to get my bachelor's through university of Phoenix. And the only reason I was doing it was to make captain. And then I mm. looked at it. I was like, I, I don't want to be captain. I want to be an, a full-time entrepreneur. And so eventually I left the fire department, launched Fortress Credit. And yeah, I miss driving the fire trucks. I miss, you know, hauling ass, going the wrong way down the road, making everybody get out of your way. You know, that was really cool. I miss breaking down doors with a sledgehammer. I miss climbing around and doing the firefighter stuff. But I don't miss the $50,000, $60,000 a year income and, and having the... Um, knowing that I could lose my life at any time. I, I don't miss mm -hmm. that part. So yeah. that was kind of my journey was I'd become a, a garbage man, become a fireman and went to college a little bit and then become an entrepreneur. And then, you know, I've done several things. I've owned construction companies and I own an insurance agency now, a credit repair company, a debt settlement company, credit monitoring company, real estate company. So uh, that's kind of where I, I, how I got started, where I'm at now. I love that. And there's so many gems in there, Randy. And one thing that stood out, uh, you you made it very clear at the beginning. You said, I'm not a victim. I have dealt with my past. Uh, and that hit me because the journey that I've been on, it's been about a, over a decade now of just working internally with myself, right? And every day to this day, that's what I do. So when you work on yourself internally, then obviously externally, everything's going to show up. And I feel like that's the misconception with people that uh, don't work on their internal stuff first. They want to like copy everything that you're doing externally when in reality, it's like, it's not going to last because you, you need to fake heal yourself first. Right. So that, that hit me pretty hard there. Um, 
And with that being said, you, you mentioned Fortress Credit. Uh, why did you choose that niche there? Like, what what was it that uh, inspired you to do that? We'll be right back. Before we continue, go subscribe to Billy the Kid YouTube. That is Billy, D-H-A-K-I-D. Also, go follow Billy the Kid Music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and everywhere else. Music is available. And now... Back to this great episode. Let's go. I'm popping out the two dough. We're number two foe. Hey. Feel like Kobe though. I'm winning. Need to do more. My mama sorry. College wasn't for me. Street smart. No degree. Just like Kobe. Hey. Self-made balls with a suit like a mogul. Like I'm the new era. Uh. You see it on my logo. Uh, what inspired me to do that was, you see over here is my fire, fire department hat, uh, helmet. Um, at the time, I was a fireman for Littleton. Um, I was actually the uh, one of the first responders at the Columbine High School shooting. I'm the one, my partner and I are the ones that found the 13 kids that were shot that escaped mm. the school. And so that hit me pretty hard, you know. And then after that, some other stuff started hitting me. Um, I'd got a bunch of awards and stuff for things that we did in the fire department, firefighter of the year. And, and here I was thinking I'm Superman, you know, I'm on top of the world. Um, I have 11 brothers and sisters and my youngest brother also want, um, also was a firefighter. So my grandfather was a firefighter. My dad, a lot of my brothers were all firefighters. And, uh, my grandpa and I were the only ones that worked for a city. The rest were all forest fighters, smoke jumpers, et cetera, which is really where the hard work is. I didn't want to work that hard. And so my little brother, Zeke, um, Shot and killed himself one day over some collections. Girlfriend mm -hmm. broke up with him. Felt like he couldn't uh, couldn't make it anymore. He wasn't making a difference. Was overwhelmed with some debt. Less than some of my watches and suits cost. I mean, not very much debt, but it was a lot for him. So a lot of debt for you and I is not that much. It could be, you know, overwhelming for someone else. You know, I have $100 million in debt. Doesn't bother me one whatsoever because someone else pays the debt. Um, but my little brother, he had a couple hundred bucks in student loan or uh, medical collections, maybe some credit cards and stuff. And so he ended up shooting himself over this, this thing. And here I was thinking, you know, here I am driving around, walking around because I'm Superman. I'm saving all these people's lives. And yet I don't even know my brother's suffering. So I had decided at that point that I'm going to help people with their credit. And. So that's what I did is I started Fortress Credit in 2007 as a way just to help people. And then 2008 hit. And at the time, I also had a real estate company. And most firefighters, by the way, have other jobs and businesses. So this is pretty normal for firemen to have lots of things going on. 2008 hit and my little business of charity work turned into this, what it is today. Um, an eight figure business. And it's all by helping people fix their credit. So that's how I got started. And that's what keeps us going is every day, Billy, every single day, I get some type of message either on social media, via text or email that someone was at their breaking point and they were ready to call it quits. And because I gave them some hope, because I fixed their credit or I helped someone else's credit, Something happened because of what I did. They decided to keep going. And so mm. that's why I do it. And, you know, people ask, 
you know, there's that thing. If you, if you had all the money in the world, would you continue doing what you do now? And my answer to that question is yes. Um, because I, I don't need any of this money anymore with my apartments. I have enough coming in to pay for all of my bills. I do it now, Billy, to help people with their credit. Because I believe that I have something that can help them. Yeah, I make good money at it. And, and it helps me help more people. The more money I make, the more pe other people I can help. So that's how I started Fortress. That's why I started Fortress. And that's why I continue to do it. Mm. And then I, I built it into Fortress University now, which is a nonprofit financial education that helps with your credit. We teach how to eliminate your debt, how to reduce your taxes, take your debt and tax savings, invest that into real estate, become rich using your credit, and then become wealthy after you become rich with your credit. And, you know, Randy, there's so much in there. Uh, for one, guys, those of you who are listening, I mean, passion. If you guys did not hear, if you missed it, I'm going to remind you, this man is doing what he loves. And there's a bigger reasoning. And, and that's what I love about your story, Randy. Uh, literally just listening to you. And, and yes, you're making money off your passion. And, and the funny thing is, the more you do what you love, the more things follow you. And especially when you focus not doing it you know, for money, right? Like that... It's so crazy how that happens once you heal yourself and the external is just blowing up. Uh, and it, I couldn't help but think, and I'm going to ask you this question. The question will be, what is the psychology behind people doing the stuff that they do, right? Like at the beginning where they don't have money and they go blow up a credit card just to ha have people look at them and say, oh, wow, you're cool. You have this these rims because that that's who I was, Randy. I had these rims that I bought on a credit card, right? Um but before that, too, uh, you also mentioned uh, because it, it can lead to obviously the story that you just shared. Uh, people do suffer mentally from that. Honestly, that's the worst like thing that I've experienced, honestly, is having that debt. And for 10 years, right, just you pay, but it doesn't ever go down. And uh, it, but then there's another level later, right, when you become wealthy and you said it yourself, like you have 100 million, you're not losing sleep over it because you made it past that hill. And I think, uh, I, I just love that because I, I literally, I was just like, yep, I, yep, I feel it. Um, but with that being said, what is the psychology, Randy? Why do people, so we'll kind of work our way up into the wealth column here, but why do people do that? What's the psychology behind that? I, I think it's because it's the way our system is set up. In the early 1900s, 1800 since our country was established uh, americans were entrepreneurs and during the industrial revolution rockefeller had to figure out how to make people go from an entrepreneur to an employee because he needed employees and people went work for him so he ended up going to to prussia russia um and found out he actually went there and said how do you guys get all of your people to go to school and then out of school, get a job and then be okay with just staying home. And it was, and it was simple. It was, we give them unlimited vodka. And number two, cause they, they gave it to them at work and at school through their vending machines, just like we can get Coke. You can buy vodka through the machine. Obviously they didn't have vending machines in the early 1900s, but they had vodka then. So they gave them booze and we taught them in school 
to stop thinking and become employees. And so he came back and they created the education system that we have today. And it's our education system is does not teach us how to become thinkers and entrepreneurs. It teaches us how to memorize things, take orders, sit there in your chair, be a good little boy, don't say anything, just do what you're told. And then we have the legalization of marijuana to help dumb people down so they're happy being at home and happy with their life. The other problem with that is people are taught, go to school, get good grades, get a job, and then use your money to buy things. And that's what you did. You bought your ribs. Look, the first time I filed bankruptcy, here's what started the bankruptcy. One, I didn't really understand money. I was a garbage man. And I got this thing called a credit card. I didn't know anything about credit. Next thing I know, I get an Amex. And then I got a Discover card. And I got all this stuff. With that, I went and bought a, a Ninja Kawasaki with my American Express card. And then I went and bought a gold chain. And then I went and bought a gold bracelet and I bought a watch and I bought all this furniture. And then I had a, uh, I think it was my 10 year, um, my high school reunion. I think it was 10 years. No, it was right before that. It was like a family reunion. And I wanted to show my family how I finally made it. And so I went and bought all this crap and I showed up, went to the family reunion. My brothers basically made fun of me, which is what they should have done. And then I went home and filed bankruptcy because I didn't have any way to pay for any of it. It was ridiculous. So I've done all the stupid stuff, all the stupid stuff I see on my clients' credit reports. I've done all of it. Bankruptcy, short sales, foreclosures, repo, all of it has been on my credit. I've done the games. And uh, so in Ed's book, he talks about in order to help people, it's not your past that holds you back. It's your past, your experience that lets you help people. That's your experience to help other people. You know, if you're a drug addict or alcoholic and you recover from that, you use that to help other people escape the addictions. I use my lack of knowledge for money, credit, to now help people with that. And so that's, I think people are the way they are because they're taught money is to use to buy things and that you should just go get a job. And money's not to buy things. That is not the purpose of money. And in Rich Dad, I mean, in uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, you learn that. That money's job is to go out like an army, like a Roman army, to go out and capture other cities and bring back other soldiers and make them into your slaves. That's the purpose of money, is to get it, send it out into the market and come back with more money. Because if the money's in your wallet, if the money is in your checking account and you're hoarding it and holding it, it will never grow. You have to send it out and let it bring back their friends and their kids and their grandkids. That's the purpose of money. Man. <laughs> wow. Uh, so there, there were so many gems there. And, uh, I hope everybody listening, I mean, that that was deep, like the the two lessons, unlimited vodka and teach at school to stop thinking and just go to school and be a good employee. Like it, 
if those of you who are listening, uh, and the thing is, guys, there there's so many things around here. Like, follow your passion. Like that. That's like literally. If you haven't caught onto it yet, that's what we're saying. Follow what you do best. And like Randy said, he found a space where he's like, you know what? This is what I love. I want to teach people that. It, same with me. Like coming where I'm coming from. Uh, everything in your story, I feel like uh, we were brothers at that time or something because literally no running electricity. I come from El Salvador and dirt poor, right? And uh, anyway, so I, I relate to everything that you're saying, Rondi. Uh, but that was that was huge right there. Uh, and also, stop blaming the government because it's like you you could find this. Inf- like we're giving you this information. It doesn't mean the government's bad. We live in the greatest nation in the world for a reason, right? But yep. you need to go find the the information. Stop playing victim. You have that choice. You, we're not the, the government's not making you work at wherever you're working at so i love that that is a that that's huge right there we could literally just end the podcast and be done like (laughs) i love that rondy so with that being said now you know that uh there is a bigger picture here behind it uh so uh, i'm sure you get this question a lot rondy but those people that are listening that are struggling and and maybe they are at that verge right where you might think it just to end it all uh what what is one way that these people can build their credit fast? You know, I get that question a lot. And it's there, another question is like, what's a hack? And here, here's the facts. There's no hack. There's no fast way. If you want six pack abs, you got to put in the work. It's hard. It is very difficult. If you want an 850 credit score, you got to put in the work. It doesn't just happen. Now, are there things that you can do? 100% there's things you can do. The fastest way to increase your credit score is to pay off your credit cards. That's the fastest way to increase your credit score. It's the most important thing on your credit. It has the most amount of points attached to it. You will never have great credit without having at least three open credit cards. So, the fastest way, pay off your credit cards. Now you're thinking, well, that's easy for you to say you got money. I don't have enough money. I can't pay off my credit cards. Okay, then you need to call your credit card company and ask them to increase your credit limit. Because the reason your credit score is low due to credit card utilization rate is because you're over 5%. So if you have a $200 credit card, and even though it's only $200 and you max out that credit card, That's the same as having a $5 million credit card with $5 million on it. FICO doesn't care what the dollar amount is. FICO cares what the utilization is. And they want between one and five per card. So if you got a $200 credit card and you spend more than $10, your score is going to go down. So what can you do? Increase the credit limit. If you can't increase the credit limit, then you need to pay down your credit cards by the report date. So if you're using your credit cards and you're maxing them out for the points, that's great. If you're paying it by the due date, FICO doesn't know that it's being paid off by the due date because the bank reports to the credit bureaus two weeks before your due date. They report on the statement date. So if you look at your statement, this is Capital One, and the end close date or the statement date, it says January 17th, due date, February 1st, 
They're reporting that on the 17th. You can look at your credit report on the left-hand side. If you use my credit monitoring, which is creditmojo.com, which I think is the best credit monitoring company out there because it's mine, <laughs> which is why I have it and why I offer it to my clients. But if you go on the left-hand side of your credit report, it'll say date reported. It will tell you the date that they report to Equifax, TransUnion, Experian. It's different on each bureau. You need to have that credit card paid off or paid down below 5% by that date. So if you do that, you will see the fastest increase in your credit score. So let me give you an example. Let's say that your uh, report date is January 18th. Your due date's February 1st. If you pay it off before the report date, so let's say it's January 17th, the report date's the 18th, the due date's the 1st. You pay it off on the 17th. So when it reports on the 18th, it's paid off. Your score will change that day. So in one day, your score will change. Mm. What happens if you pay it off on the 19th? It will not report until the following month. So the fastest way to increase your credit score is pay off your credit cards. Wow. That is uh, that is crazy right there. Is it, and it, it the whole credit limit too, That that's amazing. Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com, and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you can go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible, and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy. And I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. What's, uh, it, I couldn't help but think too. So what about cars? Like how, and if you could explain it even at two levels. So like the first level is somebody who's just starting out, no money. And then somebody that has money because now, especially I, I feel like the lease options, uh, came out, it, they, they're like becoming popular, right? Like lately, uh, what are your thoughts? So if you could give us both ends, because I want to hear what you got to say, Rondi, too. <laughs> so on car loans, installment loans. So installment loan is a loan that they, whether it's car, student loan, boat, airplane, motorcycle, it's a loan with so many installments of payments. The balance you owe on an installment loan does impact your credit score a little tiny bit. Not much. It's the credit card balances that impact you the most. But if you have a car loan and you pay it off and you paid it off early, credit score is going to go down. In fact, my friend Brad Lee, when I met him in 2017, Brad had a, and, and the only time I will ever say someone who hired me that I fixed their credit, I will tell people is when they publicly tell everybody. I mean, book, Brad wrote a book and I'm in his book. I'm the credit guy. So Brad had uh, hired me and I can't remember what his credit score was, but it was not good at all. And the reason it wasn't good was because he likes cars. I mean, he just bought a, a black badge rolls. He likes cars. And so he would buy these cars, drive them for three to six months, pay it off, buy a new car, drive it for three months. Cody Alt did the same thing. Andy Frisella did the same thing. 
Colin Wayne, same thing. These are all influencers that I've, I've helped with their credit. They buy these cars, they pay them off. When you get a car loan or an installment loan and you pay it off early, it will absolutely destroy your credit score. And that's what happened to Brad. He went from the 800s. I think he was, I think he was in the 500s. Oh, no wow. Late, no collections, nothing wrong. He had maxed out credit cards and he had a bunch of car loans that were paid and pay, paid off. So I showed him how to use business credit because what he was doing is he was using his personal credit cards like many entrepreneurs and he was paying for business expenses on his personal card. I mean, he's got a $50 million a year business, a lot of expenses. And so I showed him how to get business credit cards so it doesn't show on your personal. That fixed that part. And then I got him to stop buying cars under the personal name. He bought them under the business name. And now he's got an 800 plus credit score. So with credit cards, you want to pay them off early and keep them paid off. With business, with uh, installment loans, you don't want to pay them off. You want to go as long as you can. So inside Fortress University, I have hours upon hours of content where I teach you specifically how to manage your credit, how to eliminate your debt, how to build business credit, how to get involved with real estate, how to drive a Ferrari for the cost of a new Camry. All of these are inside Fortress University based on the last 15 years of my life's experience with credit. And we break it into two to three minute videos in order. So watch this video, then this all in order, all that stuff I have online somewhere, you know, whether it's YouTube or Instagram, TikTok, but you got to bounce around trying to find it. So inside of Fortress University, I break it all down. I put it one platform in areas where it's super easy to use. But you want to make sure that you do not do not pay off your car loans early because that will ruin your score. Wow. So massive stuff. And what about on the other end, Randy? Uh, somebody starting out. So at that point, then it is good to get a car loan and just extend it. Yeah. So so last night, I do a weekly coaching call every Tuesday for my clients. And last night, that's what we talked about was what can you do if you don't have a car loan, but you have a car, how can you get that to report? And I have a whole strategy for that. But what I've done is if you go to my website at rondylambeth.com, I have credit cards on there that anyone can get, no credit check required. Also, I have my credit builder program. And I created that specifically for people that have small credit files or just getting started or are wanting to rebuild after having stuff happen. So with the credit builder, I will report because I have the ability now to report to the credit bureaus. I will report a line of credit that you have with Fortress on all three of your credit reports with two years of past payment history mm. and very high up to $50,000 lines of credit. So most of my clients will get a $25,000 line of credit hit, all three bureaus, two years of history, and it's 50 bucks a month. So you get credit monitoring, you get free inquiry removal, you get access to all my coaching and mentorship, my live coaching calls, identity theft insurance, all of that for 50 bucks a month. We report it to the bureaus every single month. If you cancel, we just stop reporting. There's no contract or anything like that. So I've created that for people that want to start building their credit and learn how to do it. 
that don't necessarily need credit repair. If they need credit repair, we can do that as well. But we have this credit builder program for everybody else out there. Mm. Love it. Love it. And uh, one of the questions that we had uh, when I, I posted on my uh, social media is how to secure a line of credit for real estate. Well, there's many different ways to do it. And the easiest way to do it is to get a business. So to create an LLC or an S corporation and then establish business credit under the company name. Once you've established the business credit, which we teach you how to do inside of Fortress University, you can go out and get hundreds of thousands of dollars in business credit. So the, the guy that I helped, Colin Wayne, um, he got millions of dollars and he's doing over $100 million a year in sales now through the business credit that we enabled him to get. Uh, my friend, Andy Fursella. Do you know Andy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I fixed Andy's credit back in like 2012 when he was broke. People don't realize this. He was broke. Him and Chris were living in their store on a piss-filled stained mattress that they drug out of a dumpster 10 years ago. Now he's worth about $5 billion with the beat. Mm. And he's very wealthy now. <laughs> All started by getting his credit fixed and then building a core core values for his company and the culture and building all that stuff up. So the easiest way to get a line of credit is to start a business and then establish business credit and get the line of credit. For example, I have a bank right now that if you open a bank account with them at three months, they'll give you a hundred thousand dollar line of credit, no financials. I have another bank that if you have two years of um, checking account history, you go in, give them your bank statements for two years. They will match how much your deposits are times three. So if you have a, a business doing 20 grand a month, you take in your bank statements, they will give you a $60,000 line of credit for opening a bank account and give you a $60,000 credit card. So they'll give you two, essentially two lines of credits um, for that. So that's the easiest way is to establish business credit. Wow. Heavy, heavy. And uh, another question was, uh, so the, the next one is uh, common mistakes with credit. What are some common mistakes that you see with credit? All right. So we talked about that earlier. Uh, maxing out credit cards, paying off car loans, getting too many inquiries. And mm -hmm. then fourth, not paying your bills on time. And I can't say his name because he hasn't given me permission. You guys all know who he is. He drives around or he flies around in a $50 million jet with his family all over the place. He's all over social media, does these big conferences everywhere. Uh, he needed some credit repair help because he forgot to pay a credit card. And it was like $33 or $35 or something. It was ridiculous. And it was uh, an annual payment. He'd paid off the credit card, stopped using it, forgot about it. They hit him with the annual payment. He's busy doing his thing. He gets two months behind and it shows up on his credit report. Hmm. So another mistake is not having bill pay set up. I see it every day. I'll be like, dude, why do you have all these late payments over a $20 payment? Oh, I was busy. Set up freaking bill pay. 
it is better and cheaper to pay an NSF fee, which can get reversed if you just ask them to, then pay me to fix it or leave it on your credit for seven years. Because that late payment, whether it's a $5 minimum due or $5 million, FICO doesn't care. It's that you were late. All you got to do to avoid that is set up all of your bills on automatic payments. And look, if you don't have the money in there and they pull the payment out, you get a $30 NSF fee. You can fix that. We can fix your late payments too, but it's going to cost you more than 30 bucks. Hmm. And it's going to be I on there for seven years if you don't do anything about it. So Yeah. No, love it, love like, it. These late payments are a lot like COVID. <laughs> COVID sucks. I've had it twice that I know of that I tested positive for. First time it sucks. Second time was annoying. I know people have died from it. I don't know a single person has died from COVID that was healthy. I know lots of people have died from getting the vaccine. I mean, we saw a football player a couple weeks ago fall over with a heart attack. What did they have in common? He was vaccinated. Like all of these guys that are falling over dead with strokes and heart attacks. They're vaccinated. But COVID is like bad credit. If you have a healthy credit report and you get a late payment here and there, it's not a big deal. But when you got a late payment and a late payment and a charge off and a maxed out credit card and a bunch of inquiries and paid off a car loan, you start stacking that on there. It's bad news. Mm. And you probably, I can't help but think, Rondi, that you probably have to like, like accountability, like the whole victim thing. Uh, it just makes me think like even... I go as far as saying like, hey, while you're dating somebody, ask them what their credit score is. Like it's literally, it should be part of the conversation, even relationships, our business partnerships, because I truly believe like, well, and and I, you, you said it there. You were like, um, FICO doesn't care. You were late. Like they're holding you accountable. And can you imagine if life was like that? I mean, we would have this great society, <laughs> but uh, what what do you think that is like? What uh, what's the whole victim thing behind all that? Uh, and and again, I think it pours over all areas in in life, not just money. But uh, what's what what do you think it is? What's the psychology behind that? I think it's just easier to blame someone else for your problems, and I think your subconscious knows that it's your 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 fault. Your conscious mind wants to blame it on someone else. And where I see that the most on credit reports is inquiries. Damn inquiries. People are so freaking focused on their damn inquiries. It's such a pain in the ass for us to get them deleted. And it's, you know, we you might have a hundred inquiries on your credit and it'll take us hours upon hours to get that stuff removed. And you might get five points where if you simply just pay off your $200 credit card, you get a hundred points. Mm. And so I see it on inquiries and I think it's because your credit score is your grade. Think about it when high school and college, how proud you were of your grades or how embarrassed you were of your grades. Look at the people driving around with these bumper stickers. My kid's an honor student at <laughs> Einstein <laughs> Elementary or whatever. They're so <laughs> proud of that. I was watching... Uh, the All-American game a couple weeks ago with the high school kids. And they were bragging about how this kid was the number one running back in high school and all this stuff. And they're bragging because he had a 3.6 GPA. Oh, okay. He's got a, he's got some A's. I know 
people that I went to high school with, I can't say college because mine was community college and trade school stuff. But in high school, all of the super smart kids that all got the straight A's are barely making it today. Like they barely have jobs. They're in debt. They're miserable. They never like made it. I barely graduated high school. I missed over a hundred days my senior year because I was my own guardian. I would literally walk in and write a note in front of the secretary and say, please excuse Rondi's absent and hand it to her. Finally, the principal pulled me in. He's like, look, <laughs> write the note out in the hallway and then give it to her. Stop writing in front of her. She didn't like it. So I think people blame themselves because they just want someone else to blame. It's no one else's fault. I hear this all the time, Billy. My credit's bad because I went through divorce. And I'm not going to argue with people. But look, divorce doesn't cause bad credit. Divorce has nothing to do with your credit. Here's another one I hear all the time. My credit's bad due to my debt to income ratio. No, it is not. Your income does not come into play. Your sex, your religion, your ethnic group, your color, your skin, um, your in I said income, but none of that has to do with your FICO credit score. Whether you were divorced or not has nothing to do with it. They want to blame their divorce for their bad credit instead of just owning it that I didn't pay my bills. Mm. Now, I do, there is a case where the other person was supposed to pay the bills and they didn't, but that's not the divorce that caused that. It's the other person not paying the bills. So I think it's just easier for everybody else to blame it and people get attached to it. It's emotional attachment. I, I met with this banker last week and it, I cringe when someone says, they find out what I do and they're like, I got an 835 credit score. I got a 900 credit score. I had a, a guy, I, I was doing a TV interview. My last one was in Sacramento last year. And this dude called in and he's like, I, you said the credit score goes 850 and I have a 900. You're wrong. Like, all right, well, there's 4,000 different versions of FICO. So you're probably looking at one of the different versions. But people are very emotionally attached to their credit scores. And I cringe when they say I got an 830 or 850 because it's like they got this trophy. And they got it nice and polished and they put it up on their mantle and you walk into their house and they're like, look at my trophy. You know, like the bowling trophy. Like, look how pretty my trophy is. My credit score. Cause I tell people all the time, Hey, if you want to see my credit score, I'll, my credit report, I'll share it with you. There are times, Billy, my credit score is in the low 600s. As America's credit expert, sometimes I'm in the low <laughs> 600s. <laughs> and you'd be like, what the hell? I don't have late payments. I don't have collections or charge-offs. But you know what I do? I use my credit to build wealth. Mm. Every year, I borrow $50,000 from my Citibank credit card. Why? Because I get 0% for 12 months for 3%. So I borrow $50,000 for $1,500. Citibank. Gives me 50 grand for a year for $1,500. I take that 50 grand and I go buy real estate with it. It then gives me 20 to 25% returns. I take the return and I pay off the credit card. So now I'm essentially financing, literally financing my retirement and my wealth 
with Citibank's money and it cost me 3%. Mm. So when I do that, guess what happens to my credit score? It drops down in the 600s. It's okay. I'm okay with having a 620 credit score because I know if I paid off the credit card, it's going to go back up in the 800s. And I know I'm becoming wealthy by using it. So don't get attached to this score. Instead, get attached to what your credit can do for you and treat it like a tool. Mm. You know, I used to own a construction company. Imagine if you gonna, were going to hire someone to come and fix your house. And the dude showed up and he had a brand new carpenter belt on, brand new hammer, brand new drill. He's Tim the tool man, brand new everything. And you're looking at him and you're thinking, you know, what's up? What's going on with that? So you ask him like, hey, what's what's going on with your brand new tools? He's like, oh, these are my tools. I, I never touch these tools. Like, I don't want to touch this hammer because it's my hammer. It's my credit score, <laughs> if you will. And so you want to treat your credit as a tool, not as a trophy. Mm. Wow. Wow. Love it. Love it. Uh, and Rondi, uh, how, how does one, it's funny. I own a construction company. Now you're making me think I need to use my hammer more, but I'm running it as a business. So don't no, judge no. me. <laughs> um, what about on the other side, uh, for example, with my construction company, how does one build credit with the construction? Uh, I'm assuming credit cards because that has been big for me on my on the business side. But what are some ways that somebody can build credit through their company once you graduate to that? How long is have you owned the construction company? Ah, uh, great question. 2015. So, okay, so about you got at least two um, years of tax returns. Mm -hmm. Okay, I could go out right now and get you probably three four hundred thousand dollars in loans and lines of credit with two years tax returns and two years mm. bank. So yes, we can get you credit cards, hundreds of thousands of dollars. We have 315 banks in my system right now that will give you credit cards. We have loans, lines of credit, um, real estate loans. All of that can get access, like, like the bank I was telling you about earlier, that will match whatever your deposits are. And sometimes they'll six times that deposit for the credit card that has no limit. Um, it's like American Express Platinum. It doesn't have a limit per se, but it does have a limit on what you can spend. Mm -hmm. As long as you pay it off in full every month, they just keep doubling the limit up to about $2 million. So that's what you can do. You can use your business credit to, to get funding. And you, instead of using your personal social security number, you use your EIN number. The problem with business credit is the majority of banks, 85% of them do not report to the credit bureaus because they don't want the other banks to know that their customer, your construction company, has a credit card with their bank. Because if they report it, then the other bank will come in. Have you ever seen that meme where the dude is walking, he's got his girlfriend right here, and he's like looking here and another girl's walking by? That is how banks are, is... They're always looking for the next customer. They want to loan money to everybody. If they didn't want to loan money to everybody, they wouldn't run ads all the time. They just can't loan money to everybody. And so what happens is banks pull people's credit or access people's credit through the credit bureaus all the time. So Bank of America will call up Experian and say, hey, 
We want everybody with the 750 credit score in the 83616 zip code that's self-employed, that owns a business. We want all of those people. And so Experian will send them this list. And then they send you a pre-approved credit card off because they know what your credit score is. That's how it works in the personal world. Banks have figured out they don't want to lose their business clients so they don't report it to the credit bureaus. And so by not reporting it, the other banks can't steal you away from them. So mm. that's a problem though, because 85% of banks don't report. And so it's really difficult to build a thick credit profile if your bank doesn't report. So what we do is we teach you what banks do report. And then for the ones that don't report, how to actually get that reported. Mm. So Back to your question, like, what can you do? There's a lot. I mean, we could get you hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars for your construction company. And mm -hmm. then you're not using your personal credit. I did a, my, last week of my coaching call, I taught why you should have two business credit cards. And here they are. I got this one, which is an American Express uh, Platinum and American Express Gold. These are the two credit cards that I carry in my wallet. This is a business credit card. That's a business credit card. Why do I have a gold one, a silver one? It helps me to know which ones I use for personal. I use this for business and I use this for personal expense. Both are business credit cards. Neither one report to my personal credit. Why do I separate it that way? So when I max this credit card out, it doesn't show up on my personal credit and drop me into the 600s. Now my city card through American Airlines is a personal credit card. And every year they offer me 12, 12 months, no interest. That's why I max it out and I'm okay with it. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, no. And also with, and I know we got to go, I, I got the last segment coming up. Yeah. What is with, with uh, kids? Like what can you do when they turn 18 or what, what are some stuff that you could do to hopefully create that wealth for the next generation. My grandson's 11 years old and he's got an 800 credit score. So mm. you don't need to wait until they're 18. You put them on wow. every single credit card that you have right now. Every credit card you have, you call them up, add your kid as an authorized user, give your credit card company their birthday and their social. If they don't ask for your social, don't even bother because it's not going to report. Everyone in America has a credit file. It's just whether there's information on it or not. When you turn 18, they release it to the public, but your kids already have a profile. So if you want to give them a head start, put them on your credit cards now as an authorized user. They turn 18, they'll have an 800 plus credit score. Wow. That's the first thing. The other thing on the business side, and we teach this inside of Fortress University. Put your kids on salary. Do you know you can write off $13,000 a year per kid? It's $12,950. Right off. So you, as a construction company, do you have kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah, two girls. So that's $26,000, actually $25,900 that you can pull directly out of the business and put in your personal checking account and pay no income tax on it. Once they turn 18 and go to college, it's $35,000 per year per kid. So all of these people that complaining about how expensive it is to save for their kids. And they're doing all this crazy stuff with 529 programs. All they have to be doing is putting their kids on payroll. And if they're a W-2 employee, create a business, put your kids on payroll. 
And now you're putting the money in the kid's bank account, which is tax deductible for you. When they go to college, you're giving them 35 grand a year, which is tax deductible. College is not tax deductible, but salaries are. So that's mm. just another thing we teach in Wow. Massive guys. That is kind of a little bonus for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Massive, massive. And uh, again, I hate, I could talk to you all day, Rondi, but I know you got stuff to do. So uh, the last segment is, uh, I'm just going to ask you some quick questions for wisdom. Uh, I wrote the power of being uncomfortable. So the first question is, what is one way that you got uncomfortable that paid off? I'm sure there's so many gems you already shared, but what's one way that comes to to your mind? If you want to be successful, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, uncomfortable is getting out of bed in the morning getting mm. in a cold shower fasting i haven't eaten since six o'clock yesterday i'm hungry right now um, those are some of the things i worked out it was 19 degrees this morning and i'm going to do another workout later on today that's uncomfortable drinking a gallon of water every day sitting here having to piss i'm about to piss my pants it is uncomfortable <laughs> you know i'm 51 years old drinking a gallon of water it's uncomfortable so those are some things. Wow. And and those are like gems right there too. It wasn't just some things. <laughs> Love it, Randy. Uh, and the, the other question I have, if uh, there was a three-step formula to success and you do these three things, you're not going to fail. What are the three steps to success? Uh, my good friend Brad says this all the time. There's no key to success. It's a combination. Mm. And I would say, I think one of my things that I do different than everybody, than a lot of people is I read, I read every day. And I used to think that I was a fast reader because I read about 30 to 40 books a year. And it, and I found out after taking a reading test, I'm a really slow reader. My 11 year old grandson reads four times more words a minute than I do. I'm getting better at it, but I read 10 pages every day, no matter what. So reading um, networking. I don't believe that you are the same, the five people around you. I think that's bullshit. Look, I had two girls and a wife at the time. Most of the time, the people I hung out were, were girls didn't make me a girl. Right. So I don't believe that it's, you're the average of five people. You're the average of five people that you actually interact with and you do what they're doing as well. So I think reading every day, exercising every day, and networking is mm. probably one of the most, those are three important things. Yeah, because I love that. Remember the six degrees of separation? With social media now, it's only four degrees. I read that this morning. You're four people away from meeting anybody in the world. Four degrees of separation. That's it. Wow. That's, wow. I love that. Uh, and my, and I love those answers. The million dollar hustle, that's what it's all about. Uh, and in the future, kind of putting that together, the, the answers you just gave are definitely part of the million dollar hustle formula. So I love that. And the other question I have is if you were to look back at your younger self and you're 18 right now, what would be some piece of advice you would give yourself? The very first thing I would tell myself is to read and implement The Rational Mail by Rolo Tomasi. All five of those books. I think... Uh, for men, that those are that is the most important book you could ever read in your entire life. The rational mm. meal. So that would be one thing. And number two is get started faster. Yeah, so true. And I never, love it. Ever sell your real estate? Just keep it forever.
<laughs> love that wow that hit me because i'm big on that i go as far as saying you want to get rich flip houses you want to you want to get wealthy keep them so i love that and uh guys i just want you guys to know like this man like you need to follow him i'm gonna have you give your your socials and your website uh, i mean you're talking ed my follows him i mean all, all these names so i mean who are you not to follow this man so if you could give us uh your socials it's everything at Rondi Lambeth, R-O-N-D-I Lambeth. Uh, so every every platform's at Rondi Lambeth, and my website is rondilambeth.com. Boom. And I'll throw those on the description here. Well, Rondi has been amazing, man. Uh, I just want to thank you. And we do ask uh, what would be one book that you write, but it sounds like you wrote one. But I, gu I guess what is one book that you you're considering in the future, if you don't mind sharing that? I'm going to write a book in the future because I've written uh, four now. So the last one up your FICO is the fourth book. I'm going to write a, a book in the future similar to The Richest Man in Babylon, where it's a story of someone going from bankruptcy all the way up to becoming wealthy. So that's mm. the next book. And then I am working on my story. Um, and I, I'm struggling with that because I, I had to do my PTSD therapy a year and a half ago, which I've done that. And now I can kind of talk about some of the stuff that I went through as a kid. Um, and so that'll be the biggest book that I write. Um, and my friend Max Tucker's writing it. He's the one that wrote Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, mm. the actual writer of it. Uh, it was David's story, but Max actually wrote it. I mean, Tucker, his last name is Max. I always call him Max, but it's <laughs> Tucker Max. So that's going to be the next book that we, the big book, uh, Tucker will write it. But for me, it's going to be something about credit, but an actual story. So. Mm, love it. Well, Randy, thank you so much. Uh, those of you listening, make sure you guys subscribe, follow him, follow me. Uh, go ahead and tag us wherever you're listening and we'll reshare that. Until next time, baby. Vamanos. And some don't like that. They hate that they see you smile. As if I haven't been hustling, it's been a while. Gotta put in the work if you wanna shine. I want it all and I'm coming for what's mine. Some call me greedy. Bitch, I call it ambition. Some call me selfish. Bitch, I call it motivation. Different levels of thinking and we both right. But my mindset is on growth with the future bright. Those minded people. Mad at me that I'm speaking facts Or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm always ten toes for what I believe Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts